You're tuned into Fourth Podcast. This week, we have Olivia Sop and Jeremy Virogs who share their experience of taking the challenge of a plastic-free July. In a casual conversation, we explore simple things we all can do to help our environment. It's one thing to limit our use of plastics, but even the plastics that we are using on a daily basis aren't even being recycled. Every time you're purchasing something, you're making an investment into that company. You're making an investment into that idea, and you're making an investment into every step of that business model. Hi there, I'm Sean Chris Lewis, your host of Fork Podcast, and today we actually have a call-in episode. We have on the phone Olivia Sop and Jeremy Virogs. They're going to share a very interesting story with us all. They were actually referred to me by a common friend, Natalia Feldman. She was on the podcast not long ago, episode eight, so if you want to go check that out. She said, listen, Sean, I got this couple, Olivia and Jeremy, they're awesome people doing something really interesting. And she said it really fits in with the theme of Fork Podcast, which is, you know, developing ourselves on our life path and change and and just being committed to those changes. And, you know, that's definitely a major theme of Fork Podcast. So I said, hey, I'm going to give these guys a call. I talked to Olivia and she said, Sean, that sounds great. I'd love to share my story with you. So I'm just going to go there and say, hey, Olivia, what's going on? Hey, how are you doing? I'm good, man. And there's Jeremy. How are you doing, Jeremy? Doing great. All right, guys. So you're going to share something with us. And, you know, as couples do, you're going to sort of like fight over there on the on the line to see who says what, when. And I'm just going to be patient (laughs) here and let you guys work all the details out. Olivia, so tell me, you had this initiative going on in July, right? And um, that's what sort of got Natalia cranked up and told me about it. So tell us a little bit about that July initiative that you're doing. Yeah, so it's called Plastic Free July. It's um, originally a movement that started in Australia and it kind of became very global. I first saw it on Facebook and I thought it was a really cool initiative. So I started spreading it at work and then I was like, oh, I might as well try it at home as well. So I told Jeremy about it and he was pretty interested in it, I would hope. (laughs) And it started from there. All right. And uh, Jeremy, so... Were you interested in this this initiative? Did it mean like big life changes going on in the house? What what happened exactly? It wasn't so much as as huge lightning changes and more of a realization what we're using on the everyday. When she asked me, I wasn't sure what we were getting into, but it was definitely something that I was willing to support and something that I wanted to participate in. Yeah, obviously having uh, both people in a home on board with any changes in the house helps, right? I mean, if one person's... It's like trying to get in shape. If one person's exercising and trying to eat well and the other person's consuming junk food and not exercising, it makes the process a hell of a lot harder, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So tell me, what do you do? What do you guys change in the month of July? So originally the initiative is, um, I mean, if you want to start small, just not using disposable plastics or one-use plastics, uh, no plastic cutlery. Um, If you're doing takeout, no coffee cups. Coffee cups actually have a lot of plastic in them or no iced coffees. (laughs) That was a hard one, but I started that last year when I got the reusable uh, iced coffee cups. So that was a, everyone should get one of those and little changes like that. And then throughout the month of July, I kind of thought, okay, how far can I go with this? And so even just grocery shopping became a whole ordeal because we realized, you know, how much of our pantry is filled with plastic, how much of our 
our fridge is filled with plastic or our cleaning products, you know, even just doing your laundry, a lot of plastic kind of gets released into the water. And little things you start to realize over time is like you're part of these groups and you're reading these articles and you have other friends who are kind of into the same thing. And you're like, oh, crap, like what did I get into and how far am I willing to go for this? That's interesting. How far are you willing to go with it? I mean, I have a middle class lifestyle and I would say that my home is already too big for four people, you know, so I'm (laughs) I ask myself often, where do you start? What's too much? What's overconsumption? What's minimalism? All these things like it's it really opens a Pandora's box, right? Once you start realizing how much we waste and how much we consume and how much one individual can ask of of their environment. It's really quite impressive. Um, How do you feel about that, Jeremy? Like when you guys started to to implement this, did you find it overwhelming at all? Or did you start to make realizations about things? I did. I guess it really hit me first when we went grocery shopping. I'd be like about to grab like one of those plastic containers of tomatoes. My natural instinct. I love fruits. I love vegetables, you know? And then I'm like, no, wait, I shouldn't be getting this. You look around and you're like, holy crap, everything is covered in plastic. Um, even like basic stuff like cereal or, or rice very often there's going to be either a plastic wrapping on the inside or on the outside. So for me, it was a little overwhelming and I was like, whoa, we're really using this on everything. I think you guys ran into a particular problem because you were going with plastic free, right? I guess mm-hmm. if if I'm trying to be good, I'm just trying to limit, like I won't use the single use plastic ripoff roll bag to put my red peppers in. I'll start to cut back on things like this, but you guys are really trying to cut down on plastic period yeah just to see like how far we could we could go and we're so privileged to live in montreal because there's so many great local stores that do have like the no plastic initiative and you can go to bulk barn and bring your own containers and yeah it's a little out of the way it's a little inconvenient but it's there so they'll weigh all your containers first and then you fill it and then they'll deduct that it's pretty easy i think that personally when we talk about environment limiting our waste and you guys had gone to this extreme and noticed really how much we we use plastics and waste how do you help people to not get discouraged and cynical about this whole thing people get cynical right i hear it all the time like humans are bad you know humans shouldn't be alive you know it, it can take people down that path you know when you see a turtle with a plastic coke can you know nubs around its neck and it's and people say people have no right to be on this planet it can really send people to a dark place so i've i ordered some stuff on amazon i got this box and i opened it, it was full of bubble wrap you know and i had no way of knowing that was showing up to my house and i was kind of put off man because i was like man, this stuff is still being used. And we have consumers who need to get certain things and then you end up buying those things and inevitably you have to deal with this garbage that's left over. And we even know now, I mean, if the rumors are true and I've done a little reading, apparently Canada, our recycling is not really being recycled. Have you guys come across with any any information on that? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, going into this, one of the things that I found was that 90% of our plastics aren't even being recycled. 90% of our plastics are not being recycled? Exactly. So, I mean, that's a whole problem on its own. So it's one thing to limit our use of plastics, but even the plastics that we are using on a daily basis 
aren't even being recycled. And Canada ha- uses so much plastic and it's one of the biggest growing industries in the country. So the fact that it's not even being recycled is baffling to me. So that's, that's yeah, that's one thing. Oh, okay. So like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, we got plastics that are inevitably coming into our homes because there's things that we either we just won't foresee, like mm-hmm. ordering something online and it arrives with plastic bubble wrap inside or products that you absolutely need for your home and you're going to have this container and we're putting it into recycling bins and we 90% of it's not being recycled. Um, So there's obviously the responsibility is not being taken seriously by the people who need to make sure that we're operating properly, i.e. recycling is being done. So it's Mm -hmm. falling back on the consumer, right? So Adam Smith's invisible hand, hopefully. Hey, maybe, Jeremy, you can help us on Adam Smith's invisible hand on this one. Is that going to have any effect on this? Do you think the consumer's are inevitably going to be the ones who determine the companies that succeed and fail based on their environmental responsibility? I guess personally, I think the the more emphasis that that has within our our social media, within uh, media itself, and the more that it's backed by society itself, the more that it will have an impact on the companies. The the more we're going to see, there's going to be policies that are going to be made, and we're going to see uh, companies that are like, okay, they're going to... The, they're going to promote that as part of their their package. You know, they're going to say like, "Oh, we actually don't use any pro- products that are made out of plastic or that support the plastic industry." To be honest, I think that's what's necessary if we're going to be cutting down on plastic to the levels that we need, particularly for for instant consumption. Why is it so slow? I don't think you guys have that answer, but maybe you have a, <laughs> some insight. Why is this so slow? What's happening, man? Well, it definitely comes down to you know, big corporations and who's funding who. And, you know, if you already have several contracts with big plastic suppliers, you're not going to be able to make that change in a day, right? It comes down to a system change rather than an individual change, but the consumer does have a responsibility to uh, voice their opinion on what they prefer and companies will naturally follow suit in time. What I'm taking out of this right now is that, okay, we know corporations are going to, some, some, there are some that are doing phenomenal things, but we know, mm-hmm. uh, but we're going to focus on the one where the dump truck backs up to the river and you know like tips its bucket back and dumps everything into the river all the garbage we're going to focus on that inevitably right because that's just an atrocity that's disgusting and it, so we're going to we're going to continue to see this for a while like outright disregard for the environment but we're going to have companies that are stepping up to the plate and doing better the individual when i'm sort of like using a straw and i have this straw in my hand and I'm like, man, I shouldn't have used this or whatever. There's the also the individual who's going to focus on the big corporate who's spewing carbon into the atmosphere and they're going to say, hey, my straw's nothing. And they're mm. just going to not make, a, make that conscientious choice. How do we navigate that? <laughs> These are these are not easy questions, <laughs> and I'm not holding you to the answer. I'm I'm like I'm really just a curious guy who's 
reignited his interest. And, you know, there's pictures of me hiking around Greece when I was 21 wearing Save the Manatees t-shirts and, you know, Save the Ozone Layer. And I was a big advocate back then. And it's like it's been a snail's pace to see improvements, uh, I mean, since those days. So I've reignited that. I'm super curious, very interested, very ignorant still of a lot of the things. So I'm just reaching out to you guys to try and probe some ideas and share those ideas with people. So what what do you say to that person if they say, hey, Olivia, man, you know, uh, you, these corporations are spewing fossil fuels and what do you care? What's my straw compared to that? They're not wrong in a way, but like what what's the answer? Um, I always like to say like change starts at home. And one of my favorite quotes is from Greta Thunberg, who's like a 16-year-old Swedish activist. And she said, while I know we need a system change uh, before an individual change, you cannot have one without the other. So yeah, there's these big corporations who are basically destroying our earth. But if you're not willing to make those changes at home, one day the change is going to happen whether you like it or not. Good point. Good point. Jeremy, do you add anything to that? From a purely financial perspective. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's important, man. Uh, Jeremy, that's why I was pretty excited when Olivia said, yeah, Jeremy's in finance. And I thought, man, you can't get around these things without, because if one company stops using plastics, they lose their economic advantage and they go bust, right? Because they can't stay competitive yet. Maybe that'll change. So go ahead. Let me let me hear what you say. I think at its core, it's a question of supply and demand, right? Mm-hmm. We have a demand to drink through straws. When you think about it, it's just about finding an alternative. It's not about people want to have a proper alternative. And so affordable, we, right? Exactly. But even if it's a little more expensive, if it's something that can be used permanently rather than being consumed and and basically just thrown out, I still think people are willing to invest that. Just make it convenient for them and make the product that will take the place of the straw. You can't just wipe the straw off the map because people do have that need. Right. They, they want to be able to use something to drink. So We just need to make it more convenient for them. Yeah, so economics, the same rules play into this, that people, people require it, they're going to use it. They don't mind using an alternative if it's reasonably affordable, but if it also, you know, if it also also really jives with their philosophy, right? I just don't see why presently we don't have some material that even one use, you know, one use straws, one use little bag that just turns into like dust after a month, you know, like I don't, I can't believe that we haven't created that. Humans have, I mean, we have put people on the moon. We've done phenomenal things. Actually, there's an amazing podcast I was just listening to very recently, The Portal, it's called. And in the first episode, they were talking about if you took away people's cell phone and their computer, you wouldn't know whether you were in the 70s or whether you were in 2019. It's like technology has stalled and we have like Silicon Valley technology has really been moving, but it's like, you know, all the, all the other technologies just don't seem to be moving in any steady pace. And I would say that 
products for the environment are a huge, like they definitely fit fit into that stale academy of not really going anywhere. Would you guys agree with that? I think they're just not as well showcased because I do know that there's definitely um, plastic straw alternatives out there. For example, there's a straw that's made out of like an avocado seed. Obviously, it's more expensive, so not a lot of people buy them, but they do biodegrade or silicone straws glass straws, metal straws, obviously not all of those options are convenient for everybody, depending on so I guess people mostly just lean towards plastic straws just for ease of use. And you can just pick them up at the dollar store for 99 cents. So we got to get there. I feel like we got to get to that single use product that it's just so eco friendly, you throw it on the ground, like a seagull comes over and eats it and gets better. (laughs) You know, the the seagull moves on to poop on everybody's car you know with perfect (laughs) health with gut with gut health (laughs) you know like i i really feel like we need to get there like that that single use stuff that's just ecologically friendly because i saw the straws even my daughter had one and and you know it's carrying it around your i can tell you man i know a lot of people are not going to carry around a straw in their purse i or in their a guy like Where's a guy put in his pocket? I know some men are wearing their their man purses now, which are handy. I don't have that, but where do I put my straw, man? (laughs) (laughs) Some people would like to tell me where to put that straw, but I'm telling you. (laughs) Stick it in your man bun. (laughs) I mean, you don't see me on this call. I don't have much hair, so I don't have a man bun, (laughs) Olivia. But the, these are the things I think we, the technology towards those single use, ecologically friendly products would be that would just be banging, man. That would be the stuff that works because that's as convenient as what we've got. Maybe it's a little bit more expensive. But as Jeremy said, if I go into a restaurant and they have, you know, when that other stuff is available for maybe two cents more, the good stuff, and they have the audacity to give me a plastic straw. Now you can get the consumer fired up, right? Because they'll say, what are, you, what are you using plastic straws still, man, with the alternatives available? So, Jeremy, when are you going to start your uh, business? <laughs> there you are, Jeremy. You're in, you're in economics. Like, you got to get your business going, man. Like, single-use, biodegradable, high-tech stuff, man. It is a business, right? That's coming up, I hope. Somebody's going to yeah. come up with it. Let's move on for a second to education guys you're both um how old are you both i'm 26 i'm 28 okay so you guys are recently out of university are mm-hmm. schools in especially let's say for you jeremy uh, what what did you study olivia uh, english and history okay english and history okay but jeremy studied economics were they talking about any of this and economics business and you know responsible entrepreneurship does does that come up there's definitely some mention of it but there's there's not really that much that's covered it's mostly like the ethics of the business the responsibility you have to society it's basically there's a need you need to fill that need and find how to fill that need on your own but business will tell you that because people are unhappy that you're you're using this product they're not going to buy it so if you want to sell your product you need to make sure that you fill that need. It really is that, that Adam Smith, what was that, 1780 or something? He really knew what he was talking about with that invisible hand, right? <laughs> <laughs> so how about you, Olivia? When you were in school, I guess the pulse of other students talking about this stuff is there, right? Like uh, yeah. in, 
impending environmental disasters, mad like hell at the baby boomers, <laughs> mad at my generation, Gen X, you know, like what was that like? What's the pulse of the students on this? Well, you don't hear much about it in class, but definitely the students were, were fired up. I know a lot of my best friends went on to become activists and, you know, even went to extremes such as like dumpster diving you know, to to limit their waste and stuff like that. So definitely learned a lot of different and amazing, cool things from them, but you don't really hear it inside the classroom. It's all the cool stuff happens outside of class at university. Dumpster diving. How about that? eh? Yeah. Geez. Like, these, this is great when you're young. I eh? like when you're young, man, you're like all fired up about stuff like that. You don't know that's totally unsustainable, <laughs> but you do it because you're young, right? And you're just, you've got that kind of passion and energy to change the world. Then you come out of university, you get your job, life gets stressful, starts pushing you. The last thing you're doing is dumpster diving. And here we are back <laughs> on a process of, oh man, we still haven't found a sustainable route to take. I don't think, um, I'm not pessimistic, by the way. I'm actually very optimistic. I think that humans are amazing and will find the solutions, but we always seem to need to be taken to the brink, right? We got to get right to the to the end of the chasm where we know that bad things are coming and then we wake up. This could be one of those things that realizing it could be a bit late, right? Is do There's Am I sound like of... a doomsday guy? I don't want to be a doomsday guy, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good for the economy, eh, Jeremy? It, it's not good for the stock market when we get... It doesn't like insecurity. Oh, well, if the stock market doesn't like insecurity, I mean, how can they be okay with the collapsing environment? Okay, Jeremy, that's your floor now. Tell us this. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> the stock market hates insecurity, but we know with the deterioration of the environment, we're going to have oceans rising, we're going to have temperature fluctuation, crop failures, all kinds of things that will really hit the economy hard. So why aren't economists at retreats for the environment and understanding? Like what's what's happening there? <laughs> I think it's something along the lines of what you're you said before. It's it's kind of like a pointed arrow, right? You make the the choice of investing in the products that you believe in or that you believe are going to thrive in the, in the environment, right? Uh, in the investment environment, I mean. Do you, do you guys think that this has... Here, I, we didn't really say we'd get off on this kind of tangent. However, I mean, if we look at it in the United States, people are feeling less and less confident about capitalism, right? And you see this rise in not not socialist like, you know, iron wall or iron curtain socialism, but this soft, fuzzy stuff like Bernie Sanders and, you know, like uh, that you see like this people really flirting with that now because they just feel so discouraged, especially millennials and Gen Zs there there. That seems to be a thing, right? Do you guys think that the environment and the, because capitalism is great. I think it's something that works, but okay. Jump into that for me for a second. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I think people are just going to to go in the direction that they feel their needs are going to be met. And if they, they don't trust in the almighty dollar or in their own bodies to make a living, um, in that case, they, they might turn to socialism. But really, I, I don't really feel com- comfortable 
or knowledgeable enough to comment. Yeah, me neither. I'm not at all. I, I just sort of like was glancing through some stuff recently and they were talking about how people were just feeling so discouraged by lack of, you know, lack of accountability and companies yeah. to, to step up for the environment because we're, we're just getting crushed with it these days, right? Lots of, uh, I mean, you can't avoid the the... The discussions around global warming and and denial of it and and it gets people really frustrated, man. That they start to question the powers that be in in extreme ways they might not have in the past. It's just like you're like, what do you mean? You think there's no global warming? How how is that possible that a head of state could say such a thing today? You know. So I think that sort of gets people really uneasy and they start to question everything. Capitalism, maybe we need socialism. Like it, get, it gets them really insecure. I mean, I try to stay optimistic because that's just in my nature. But I mean, definitely the political landscape as it is today does lead me more towards being pessimistic, uh, especially considering the fact that they hold all the power to make these changes. Um, and if you see like, you know, smaller countries really making great initiatives, you're like, why can't my country do that? Or, you know, how come we have to wait till, you know, year 20, 20 something to get rid of all of plastics? Why can't we just do it now? Uh, and not really understanding the logistics of something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with you, man. And you know, what's really cool about this call is Jeremy said, he keeps saying that this recurring theme that is so true in in our capitalistic economy which is you know the consumer is going to decide in the end right the consumer has the power and they're going to go after what they need for their dollar and if we can start to change the consumer's thought process which is so it's education right it, educating the consumer to go after the things that are going to have the best outcome not just the cost of them buying it but just the, that cost to the environment and all those things so that's why i asked about school i asked if in college or you know because i don't know what's necessarily going on right now in the classrooms but the, i can see this as being a topic in pretty much every classroom even history you know just from history talking about the past to the present and learning from our past mistakes there's been pl plenty of civilizations that fell because of their lack of attention to their their immediate environments right building py yeah. pyramids and devastating the forests and changing the climate there and people just losing their entire environment so you can see how this conversation could play out in almost every topic that we study and you you'd think it would be very pervasive but it still has a long way to go. So listen, guys, I want to close people off with two thoughts from each of you, something that's usable for people. So something that somebody can listen to this and say, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm not going to go dumpster diving. Okay, I'm telling you that <laughs> right now, Olivia. I'm not going dumpster diving. But it's so fun. Yeah, that's right. I bet it is. I, I'd like to see you do that, and I'd like to put that on Instagram. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so give it a thought for a second, and I want you to give people something that they can take away because 
Holy smokes, me just sitting here talking to you guys about the environment and plastics and government and then, you know, <laughs> socialism and like, we, it, you know, it's a, it's a rabbit hole that's deep, man. And it gets people super agitated and really feeling helpless. What do we do? Jeremy, what's something you can give to people to do on a daily basis? One thing that can have its own impact in their life. Can you think of anything? Yeah, for sure. Actually, for me, what opened my eyes was starting this, right? But I don't think it's necessarily the first step for everyone. I think the first thing everyone needs to do is realize what makes up what you're buying every single day, what you're you're actually doing and what you're putting out there. For example, there's some people who buy four cups of coffee a day, you know, and a cup of coffee, you'd think it's recyclable, but it's actually not. The material is actually made, it's, it has a wax around it, which st- basically stops it from decomposing. Because of that, there's assumptions that we have, and we're not informed on them. By paying attention to the things that are obvious, we can realize, okay, wow, everything's covered in plastic. I'm paying attention to this, and I'm realizing, like, I'm not actually buying the healthy products. The first step is awareness. Take those necessary steps to become aware. Be mindful of what you're actually like doing, purchasing. Every time you're purchasing something, you're making an investment into that company. You're making an investment into that idea, and you're making an investment into every step of that business model. Ooh, Even if you don't good. agree with it. That's powerful, man. By buying their product, you're saying okay, right? Right. Yeah, so the coffee thing. You know what? That's an easy one. I think I got my swell bottle and let's fill it up with coffee. It stays hot, man. It's perfect. Well, not, you know, we're going through global warming, so maybe we want cold iced coffee. (laughs) But listen, man, I think the coffee thing is amazing. So yeah, you're right. I know people who get four cups of coffee, cardboard cups. There's an, an, a thought that it's recyclable that, and it is not. I know that. I agree with you. I've read that multiple times. And as uh, Olivia pointed out, 90% of our garbage is not being recycled anyways. So yeah, man, coffee. Come on, man. Guys, like everybody out there, coffee. Like bring a bring up a reusable cup. That's an easy one, man. And honestly, the environmental thank you for that one. Olivia, you got something for us? I'll be really succinct. Just vote. <laughs> <laughs> Just vote? Yeah, vote for the change you want. Oh boy, you, you feel see. Like you can't. <laughs> Jeremy, she's bringing in politics, Jer- Jeremy. She's <laughs> Jeremy's like all safe. Jeremy's all safe. He's there. You know, I'm not comfortable talking about politics. <laughs> Olivia's just butt- belting it right out there. Vote. Vote Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I've said Bernie Sanders twice in this. I'm not really sure why. I just got him on my mind. So we got voting and coffee cups. We're going with that. And, you know, reusable, reusable on as much as you can single use come on man if a if a two if your red peppers are sitting on a shelf and everybody's touching it why can't you just put two of them in your shopping cart and let them roll around a little bit it's not changing anything right everyone's just like putting their paws all over it before why does it now need to be in a little plastic bag right yeah exactly 
Exactly. You put six apples in your shopping cart. They've just been sitting out again, being felt by everybody. What's the difference if they sit in your shopping cart without a bag? That's that's just changing a few. You little... should wash your fruits and veggies anyway. Yeah, I had that discussion with Natalia the other day. I, I confess that I don't wash my fruit or vegetables. <laughs> I am that guy. <laughs> yeah, and it says blatantly right there on the on the on the covering. It says, uh, you know, my strawberries. Wash these. Be it says it like bold. Wash before eating. While I'm reading it, I'm actually eating one. <laughs> So anyways, listen, guys, you are amazing. I had a great couple men who are doing their thing. And I, I really, I guess this just represents what needs to be done. You have a home with an economist and an arts student. And, you know, you're both working professionals doing your thing. And you found common ground to uh, make great environmental choices. And you're educating yourselves and you're being conscientious. And I, I guess that's what we all just need to do, right? And if we all just did our part, we'd have a, a great planet and a lot of changes happening. I want to thank you both for coming on Fork Podcast and sharing with me. I know this is the first time for both of you. I think you did great. I, uh, I really appreciate you and I look forward to talking to you more about this in the future. Awesome. Hey, thank you for having us. You guys yeah. have an awesome day. Thanks.